1: Back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Thursday, February the 10th, 2022. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL. We're going in the Wayback Machine because it's been a while since we've talked with Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job for us at BOL covering all things crimson tide? Charlie, we gave you a little bit of a respite, my man, but uh, back into the back into the pool, the podcast pool you go. You ready? Yeah, man, I thought, hell, for a minute you were mad at me about something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It has seemed like it's been forever. I tried to think about the last time I was on here, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not the one to to complain for less to do, but uh, I always enjoy catching up with you. It's always fun.
1: Yeah, well, we had that confluence that we have every year where we get hoops and football coming together, and then you get recruiting to go along with that. And I try to give both you and Hank South, really Tim Watts as well, uh, as much time as you need to concentrate on that stuff. But yeah, it's always good to catch up with Charlie Potter here on the podcast, especially after a win, a road win of all things for this Alabama men's basketball team on Wednesday night, Charlie. And when it was 30 to 19 Ole Miss, and it looked like the Rebels couldn't miss from three especially jarkel joiner who went nuts lost his mind uh in oxford wednesday night what were you thinking at that point given what we had seen from this team in the last month or so
0: yeah it's alabama's kind of been the most unpredictable yet predictable team um you know they they play up to really good competition uh and then they they play well at home and um you know, th- that's not a, a good recipe for going against this old Miss team who, you know, entering Wednesday's game was, I think they were next to last in the SEC standings. And, uh, you know, obviously the game was in Oxford. And it just kind of seemed like, well, this is another one of those games. They're going to let it get away from them. And, um, you know, they're going to have to regroup and, and try to, to win at home against an Arkansas team that's coming off a win against Auburn. But, you know, they righted the ship. Um, you know, they didn't play maybe as well defensively as they did against Kentucky, which I think gets kind of lost in the fray of the poor shooting performance, but, you know, they, they came to life on the offensive end and, you know, Jaden Shackelford, I think it was, um, after the, the nine minute mark in the first half, he hit, um, you know, four of his five threes in the first half. And he was huge in this game, you know, hitting eight threes and a career high 30 points. And the guards really, uh, came to life as well, um, you know, Nate Oates after the Kentucky game basically said if if the guards aren't playing well, guys like Shaq and and Quinterly and and Keon Ellis, JD Davison, that it's gonna be tough for them to win. Well, all those guys played really well, uh, in this game with, you know, Shaq leading the way with thirty points. You had uh, JD and JQ combining for 27 and 16 assists, eight apiece from those guys. That's big. And you know, Keon Ellis had a quiet uh, night, uh, but a, a good night with 13 points. He was five to six from the floor. So when those four guys are playing well for Alabama, uh, good things will happen. And you know, that was the case in Oxford with them, you know, having a, a season best 60% from the floor and, and damn near 64% from three. And that's a a Jekyll and Hyde moment from what they were able to do offensively against Kentucky.
1: Yeah. Underscoring the point about those four guards being so critical to Alabama success. Look at the win over Baylor. I think the four of those guys combined for 64 points in that win over a top five at the time Baylor team. And then they don't play well against Kentucky. Alabama loses by 11 on its home floor, scores a season low 55 points, but yeah, Wednesday night, You get 70 combined points from Ellis and Davison and Quinterly and Shackelford. You're going to be okay if you're this team. Now, I wanted to ask you about maybe the chin of this team. We saw more of that, especially on the road Wednesday night. Down 11 in the first half. They answer with the big run. Close the first half on a 30-8 to run. Ole Miss immediately comes out to start the second half on a 9-0 run. Cuts it to 2. But once again... Alabama had an answer. Do you look at this as sort of a turning point performance in that respect for this team? Because they haven't, let's be honest, they haven't always shown a big-time big chin when they've taken some shots, especially on the road against inferior teams. Or do you need to see more, Charlie, from this team before you're buying in from that perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough with this team because it's been so inconsistent. You know, I feel – I've I've written plenty of stories about – Um, you know, what NATO's and these players have said about practice being, um, you know, they they performing well in practice, um, you know, talking about effort and things like that. And then we see the complete opposite sometimes in the games, you know, the the game previews posted not even 24 hours before the game and we see something completely different. So it's, it's still tough to say that, but I think, you know, here in the last, you know, two weeks, this four game stretch you're coming off of those big games Against Baylor, Auburn, and Kentucky, even though they went one and two of those games. And then, you know, lumping the, the Ole Miss game in with that, I think the effort's been there. Um, again, defensively, they played well against Kentucky. That was a good sign. It maybe wasn't as, as great against Ole Miss, but then, like you said, Jarquel Joyner was playing with his hair on fire, especially in the first half, it seemed like uh, he couldn't miss. And so I think for them to, you know, not let them rattle them. Uh, and then continue to play hard and then get good shots and make those shots is a good sign. But just of what we've seen from this team, um, y- y- you kind of take a wait-and-see approach to see if it's sustainable. So, um, you know, is the leadership finally taking hold? Are they, you know, making guys accountable? Or is everybody going to be, you know, like Nato said after the game, are they playing for each other? Are they being unselfish? Is that effort there consistently? And we'll see. Uh, I think it's it's setting up. With you know what we've kind of seen from them, with you know a good team coming in and and uh, coming to Coleman Coliseum in Arkansas, they usually play well. So I think they can maybe sustain that. It's just you know, we haven't seen it for long stretches, at least not in the SEC play uh, from this team this
1: year. Yeah, another quad one win opportunity, which they have enough of. I mean, you want to talk about NCAA tournament resume. Alabama's in great shape when you talk about quality wins. You know, five over top five, top ten type teams this season, as we know. Uh, It's been more along the lines of games like Wednesday night at Missouri, at Georgia, setting up at Ole Miss. And it didn't look good early, but again, very promising at least to see Alabama respond in a good way. Season high 23 assists for Alabama in the win over Ole Miss, 12 turnovers. So they nearly doubled up assist to turnovers in the game. That had been a bit of a bugaboo for them in SEC play. Well, and you can equate that back to three-point shooting. And they just have not shot the ball well, especially in SEC play. So that's certainly going to impact your assist numbers. You like to see those offensive rebound numbers lower with this Alabama team, more than anything else, because if those numbers are down, that means the long rebounds aren't coming off missed threes, which they've had too many of this season. Let me ask you about the bench. How about your son Holt, Charlie? Looks like he's stepping forward, 26 minutes in the win on Wednesday night, and maybe some of that coming at the expense of Darius Miles, maybe even a little bit at the expense of Jawad Gary, because Holt at six six, it seems like they feel pretty comfortable leaving him on the floor with a variety of combinations
0: yeah that's kind of been an interesting thing to watch because we've seen Jason Holt be one of the first guys off the bench here of late but you know he'll get that maybe three four minute run in the first half and maybe a little bit in the second and that's it uh but yeah this was a, a season high in minutes for him at 26 it more than doubled his uh previous high which was Twelve against Oakland, and you know he hasn't done much from an offensive standpoint. And you know we heard a little bit about his shooting uh, in the preseason. Um, you know he scored a bucket uh, against Ole Miss, which was only his fifth points of the game uh, or the season, sorry. Uh, but yeah, he's a guy that you can tell he's he's flying around. He plays hard. You know that's something that Nate Oates has routinely said about his effort in practice. And um, you know for him to pull down six rebounds, you're right, I think is, is big because. Um, yeah, Alabama's got a lot of that from the guard spot because Betty Yaka has been able to to do a decent job. So is, um, you know, Gary and Gurley. But, um, you know, the the bigs, uh, they've been up and down this year. And I think to have a guy like Holt come in in a situation where, yes, Darius Miles is coming off a, a one game suspension for violating team rules. We saw him. Uh, play six minutes uh, in this game, and then you know we didn't see J.D. Davison until after the under twelve uh, media timeout, which was kind of interesting to me because mm-hmm. he's been one of those um, guys that's been first off the bench, and you know maybe his plays have been a little inconsistent as well of late. And and Holt, you know, gives you a, a guy that's going to give effort, and you know J.D. though he responded to that with eighteen points. He only missed one shot on eight attempts, but yeah, I think to see. Deshaun Holt, um, what he was able to do, you know, he led the team in plus-minus with with 22. Um, you know, he was effective, and yeah, I, I'm sure he's a guy that's going to continue to see minutes because of the the way that he plays.
1: Yeah, a win that really checked the boxes for Alabama efficiency on offense. 14 of 22 from three, tied a season high in made threes with 14. Previous high was 14, I believe, against Baylor, but they needed 37 shots from beyond the arc to get to that total, just 22 hoists on Wednesday night, 60% from the field, Alabama's bench after being really non-existent in the first half against Kentucky last Saturday, outscores Ole misses reserves 35-21 points in the paint. That's been a bit of a problem for Alabama against teams like Auburn specifically, and uh, Kentucky to an extent, but Alabama plus 14 in the paint in the win over the Rebels. And you mentioned what's on the horizon for this team. A big one against an Arkansas team on Saturday that is 1-9 straight, including the aforementioned upset of Auburn midweek. Uh, then next uh, midweek, you get uh, Mississippi State at Coleman Coliseum. Go to Kentucky a week from Saturday, and then you wind down at Vanderbilt, South Carolina A&M in Tuscaloosa and then a road trip to Baton Rouge before the SEC tournament again sets up for this team I think realistically you look at the road trip to Kentucky is potentially problematic although they blew the cats out by 20 in Lexington a year ago uh, this is setting up for Alabama to peak right at the at the time of year in which you want to do so
0: I think so. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Saturday's game is going to be tough. Uh, I think they're getting Arkansas at a good time, though. Coming off that high beating Auburn on their home floor, and Alabama's played well at home this year, and that includes, um, you know, they they played well for stretches against Kentucky. Um, this most recent outing, and then uh, the first game against Auburn, Alabama had a shot in that game. Uh, those are the only two home losses they've had this season. So to have you know four of the next seven at home is big. And then you know if they can replicate maybe not from a shooting standpoint but just from an effort standpoint what they did at Ole Miss with you know games at Kentucky or I'm sorry at uh Vanderbilt and LSU that's potentially you know some some games you can chalk up to wins later on so you have seven left sitting at 15 and nine uh getting to to 19 or 20 is certainly manageable at this point I think that's what you need to be at going into the SEC tournament play but um you know Alabama has the resume with the the wins that they've been able to pile up this season against Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, uh, LSU. Houston. Houston. Yeah, you have these um, these wins you can hang your hat on. Uh, so I, I think you don't have to look at go out and try to win every one of these seven coming up. I think if you win at least four, you're in good shape. So it'll be interesting to see how this regular season plays out but you're right with the way the schedule set up since it's just kind of favorable for alabama to you know obviously chuck up more wins and losses here
1: let's talk some football charlie is uh you had us updated at BamaOnline.com online.com on wednesday on alabama's combine invitees where the nfl draft process is concerned 11 alabama players in all any surprises on that list to you uh maybe in terms of a player or two that made the list, or maybe a player or two that didn't?
0: Yeah, I was kind of happy to see Chris Allen and LeBron Ray get invited, just because those are guys that have battled injuries throughout their career. Uh, Chris Allen, everybody knows, uh, sustained that foot injury in the season opener against Miami, and then didn't play again, even though you know we saw him go through warm-ups during the college football playoff. I think that's good to see, though, just from his recovery standpoint, and the fact that he got invited uh, says a lot. I, I think had he been healthy, he would have probably got an invite to the Senior Bowl. Um, and I think he and, and Josh Job were maybe the the next guys up for that. But both of those guys were injured. Um, and then you know Lebron Ray has just battled injuries throughout his entire career. He was he stayed pretty healthy this year, all things considered. When you look at the the previous years of his career, so those two guys, I think it was good to see them again. You know, talking about Josh Job. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis those are corners that have dealt with injuries toward the tail end of the season and weren't on the field and then you knew the wide receivers were going to get invited but uh, they're probably not going to be able to do much of anything given that they're coming off of ACL injuries John Metchie and and Jamison Williams so the list wasn't uh, too surprising for me Um, you know I think the injured guys was what I was most interested in whenever you started to see this list come out but I think you know guys like Ray and, and Joe already kind of spilled the beans on their Instagram page um, a couple of days before. So that's why I guess it wasn't as much of a surprise. But was what, about, what, about
1: Slade, what about what Slade Bolden? That that one, I, I wouldn't say it was a total surprise, but I was happy for Slade that he got an invite.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I was too surprised by it just because, um, you know, he's he's a guy that's played a lot of football at Alabama. Um, you know he was productive for them the last two seasons he's He's versatile in the fact that he plays receiver, he can return. hell we've seen him play uh, quarterback some he he can play all over the field and uh hell, it might have been just Bill Belichick putting in a request <laughs> to, to play both <laughs> Indian athletes.
1: you <laughs> so. know what else i and, and what something else that might have helped him is that you're not expecting guys like Mechie mm-hmm. and Williams to be able to do on the field work, and you got to have guys to throw to for the quarterbacks too. And that's not to diminish what Slade might be able to exhibit during his time in Indianapolis. But, uh, those are maybe some things that came into play for him a little bit too. No doubt. And you know, at, at this point when you're a guy, that's not, um, a lot
0: to even be drafted, you'll take what you can get. And I think that's Absolutely. To, to get that invitation, of course, you know, he would have the pro day or the pro days that Alabama has in Tuscaloosa. But yeah, I mean, Indianapolis is the event uh, for guys to get eyeballs on you to to see things. And, you know, it's it's kind of dumb because it, there are some things that happen at the combine that aren't applicable. I don't think people really care what these offensive linemen are, are running in the 40. But, you know, you can go out and have a really strong combine and certainly improve your stock. And I think. Slade's a guy that I could see going up to Indy and and having a strong performance in some of these drills and maybe moving up some draft boards. So, yeah, I think with the injuries to his teammates, with it maybe not being just a super deep um, class of wide receivers, that's certainly advantageous for him. But in the grand scheme of things, when the list came out, I didn't go, you know, oh, wow, Slade Bolden's on here like I was maybe whenever I saw he announced for the draft. I think that surprise has died down a little, but no, happy for him and, and all these guys to, to get an opportunity you have to do some things outside of Tuscaloosa to, to maybe improve their stock.
1: Yeah, for so many of these guys, the medical is going to be huge. Chris Allen coming off the injury, uh, Josh Job coming off the injury, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, uh, even LeBron with his injury history right, is going to have a lot of questions about his overall health. Jalen Armour Davis even dealt with not a severe injury, but certainly a limiting type of situation late in the 2021 season. We talk about mile markers in the draft process. We're coming off of that with with the East-West Shrine game and, of course, the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. What about some stock reports, stock updates on a couple of these guys? Phil? Darian Mathis, Brian Robinson, how did they seem to come out of that event down in Mobile? I know I've seen Phil on some defensive tackle lists where he's a top five guy coming out of the week. So sounds like he did fine. I, how much can Brian Robinson? I guess with him, how much can he really, um, you know, show at this point? I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of intrigue with with Brian.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has a ton of film already. Being a fifth-year guy that's contributed uh, all five years, you know, early on in his career, obviously as a backup, but you know, he was the number two guy last year, took over the reins this year, and, and did a nice job. And I think showed some uh, things as a receiver, which is probably one of the big question marks for him. But you know, I think a lot of the guys in Mobile got a first-hand look at his at his physicality, if if that was even a question going into it. Um, and he was a guy that was voted the top running back by the uh, for the American team by the defensive players on that team, and um, you know we saw some clips of him just you know taking on blocks and, and pass pro, um, you know really delivering some pain out there, and you know, that's never really been an an issue for for Brian because you know one of my favorite things coming out of the Senior Bowl at least talking to these guys is you know Fiderin Mathis calling him an, an old school Cadillac type of player, and um, I think that's very uh, accurate and but at the same time i think he wants to show that he can do a lot of things and he was able to do that this year playing more of a role as a receiver um and i I think a lot of guys are going to be he's not going to be a guy that gets picked on day one just because um the running back position you don't see that a lot of times at least nowadays but i think he could be certainly a value pick for someone and then Fidarian mathis i think You know, teams probably just enjoyed talking to Phil down in Mobile just because (laughs) he's a a likable character. But then you see what he's able to do on the field, both from an energy standpoint for the guys around him and then just from a production standpoint. I mean, the last two years, Fideon Mathis has been uh, one of Alabama's most consistent defensive players overall, not just on the defensive line. So I think both of those guys coming back for that fifth year was big for them I think they were able to increase their draft stock and hopefully they don't have to wait too long on on maybe day two to to hear their name called
1: you talk about Brian Robinson and running backs let's get into some of that with a early look offseason look at the running back position for Alabama of course Brian Robinson moving on after five years in the program not such an elongated stay unfortunately for Kamar Wheaton (laughs) as he has moved on to the transfer portal You got Jameer Gibbs coming in from Georgia Tech. You've got Jamarian Miller as an early enrollee for the 2022 recruiting cycle. Already on campus, Emmanuel Henderson on the way this summer from the high school ranks. Of course, Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams coming off knee injuries. Trey Sanders, the hope at least is that that was a confidence building into the 2021 season for him after the injury issues uh, he's had just looking at this group in terms of what it's losing primarily really in Brian Robinson, the injuries that it's dealing with, how would you sort of, how would you sort of uh, describe the current situation, the current status of the running back room at Alabama?
0: Yeah, I think the spring is going to be really interesting because, you know, that's next on the docket um, because, you know, a guy like, Emmanuel Henderson won't be here until the summer, so we won't see the full group. And then, you know, the question is, what do guys like Jace McClellan and Dell Williams they really look like? Will we be able to see them at all in the spring? Hell, will we be able to go out there in the spring? <laughs> I doubt it. But um, those guys are coming off of injuries, so their availability certainly in the spring will be uh, up in the air. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do much of, or anything at all. So you're looking at, um, you know, Trey Sanders, who finished the season as the number two back and really filled in nicely when guys like McClellan and and Roydell Williams went down. Uh, You're looking at Jameer Gibbs coming in from Georgia Tech, uh, which I think is going to be a big addition, especially early on with these guys coming back from those injuries. And then a guy like um, Jamarian Miller, the freshman, a top 100 uh, prospect coming in from the state of Texas. You know, he's a 5'10", 195. At least that's what he's listed on his recruiting profile. He's probably added some weight if since. Um, you know, he's going to have an opportunity just because of the guys that are going to be maybe sidelined this spring due to injury. So you're looking at Gibbs and uh, Sanders and uh, Miller. You know, that, that might be the group that we see uh, yeah, you know, this spring with maybe some walk-ons getting some action because of injury. So I think, though, if everyone's healthy, it's a, it's a deep, solid group with, you know, Jace McClellan maybe taking over as the number one back, Jameer Gibbs certainly being a, a big part of this offense, at least from a projection standpoint, what Roydell Williams was able to do last year in his second year in the program, Trey Sanders finally getting healthy and then adding these two freshmen. It's a solid group on paper that loses, you know, it's top guy and Brian Robinson, the leader of that group. Uh, But, you know, I I think adding three guys and losing two is certainly big. And it's going to be big early on because, again, we don't know when Jason McClellan and Roydale Roydale Williams will be fully healthy going into the 2022 season.
1: Yeah, we might see one or both of those guys running around in black non-contact jerseys on a day or we may not. Yeah, that's a big mystery with the running back position, as you've outlined for us, and we've talked about in the past, just who's available and to what extent come March when spring drills get underway at the University of Alabama. Way too early. I'm going to hit you with this one. Way too early pick to rush for 1,000 yards in 2022. From this group, who would you go with right now?
0: If he's healthy, I I like Jace McClellan. Uh, if he's able to
1: go week one, has
0: a full season, stays healthy. I, I like what Jay springs to the table. Uh, he's a hard worker. I think he was, you're going to be a big part of the offense before he went down with that injury. Um, yeah, I like Jameer Gibbs too. I don't know if he talks a thousand just because he's going to do a lot of things for this offense. I think he's going to be a factor uh, in the passing game. He's going to be a guy that maybe, uh, gets a look at kickoff returns with Jamison Williams moving on. Um, so I, I think that you know he's going to be a busy man, but I, I think just from a take a handoff perspective, Jason McClellan is going to be a guy that gets a lot of those, and um, I, I would like him to to rush over a thousand. I think there's multiple guys on this roster that's capable of it, but I think you know Jason Jameer will be at the top of that pecking order, and um, I think Jace would be probably the number one guy for me should he be healthy come that um, Utah State game.
1: This could have a two 2006- thousand. 2016, 2017 sort of feel to it, couldn't it? With this stable, when you had Najee Harris, when you had Damian Harris, when you had Josh Jacobs, hell, you even had in that stretch Bo Scarborough, um, you know, in that mix. So it, it could be that sort of quality in terms of depth, depending on the return from injury for a couple of these guys. I would probably have to go with Jameer Gibbs right now, but you're right in terms of quantity. As far as carries go, that's still a little bit of an unknown with him. Uh, but the explosiveness, he may not need a lot of carries, right? Yeah, that's he, true. Was a, he was a five yards per carry guy uh, at Georgia Tech. And you say, go, well, that's, well, at Georgia Tech, uh, that was actually pretty solid to be uh, uh, plus five uh, in yards per carry. And then, of course, he averaged more than 12.5 yards per reception on more than 60 catches for the Yellow Jackets. And then what he also brings, as we talked about in the past, Charlie, on special teams with kickoff returns, maybe all-purpose yards, which Amir Gibbs is a better stat to sort of follow. Yards per touch, those type of things, which Amir Gibbs. But it'll be a lot of fun to track, and we'll certainly do that for you at BamaOnline.com. Charlie, as we let you out of here, we've got a couple of important days coming up. First of all, uh, we have Valentine's Day on Monday. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, even though it's just Thursday, I'm sure you've already taken the needed steps to, to keep the lovely wife happy with uh, the 14th coming up. Yeah, I'm actually doing that later
0: today. Oh. Uh, yeah. Not All going right. not going to Peter Brook, but...
1: Um, well, damn, you're not doing
0: it right. I thought you were doing it right. I know, I know. But uh, I, I'll be honest. I, I know this might sound cynical, which I guess is my kind of thing to do on here, <laughs> but things like valentine's day and and mother's day father's day they just they kind of just grind my gears because (laughs) i like i'm i'm one. i talk to my parents still every day uh they're older i I try to you know cherish those moments that that we have and right uh, and I'm, i'm not one that's you know just pissed off about my marriage i think we have a good thing going so we you okay. know, if, if yeah. we we kind of spoil each other on a not a daily basis but a routine basis. Hell, we just got back from New York for her birthday. Um so yeah, we we don't I don't know. We don't put a lot of emphasis on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh we always, you know, get each other something because it feels like you you must, but uh, we're ones that it's a little act of kindness everywhere. And uh but no, I she will be Sufficiently taken care of All on Wednesday right. The thing is, I mean, I
1: wasn't trying to go Doctor Phil on your anything, I know. you know. Ahead, I will say this: ahead. I lucked out
0: because Alicia doesn't like flowers. Oh, uh, okay. She's more of a, a plant gal, and I know that sounds dumb because people yeah. are like the, the wife. Thing. The wife, my wife, is a, a a plant person. Yeah, but you know, you can have a plant for a while. Flowers are just going to last for a week or two, and it's and then. That, that goes back to the Valentine's Day thing. It just it it feels like a waste. It's the sentiment I know, but yeah, I mean, I hope she's not listening to this, but she's, she's <laughs> planning for Valentine's Day. So,
1: all right, maybe something you take a little more seriously. Super Bowl Sunday coming up <laughs> on the eve of Valentine's, and uh, so give us your pick. Who do you like in the game? Rams got some Alabama representation with LA, and you got some with the uh, Bengals as well.
0: You do, yeah. You had two for each, and I I think Damian Square should play in the Super Bowl. He's a guy that's on the the Bengals' uh, practice squad, but he's a guy that's been, it feels like, elevated every week. He's been on a practice squad, and he's a guy that made history playing in the playoffs for the Raiders and now for the Bengals, uh, playing for two teams in the same playoffs. But I like the Rams. Um, You know, I I think, they obviously, they have the star power. Uh, They have the more experienced quarterback. It'd be nice to see... Uh, Matt Stafford who took a beating in in Detroit finally get one but it's tough to pick against the Bengals they're playing really well they're the hot team it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them win I think this one's kind of a toss-up to be honest but I I just like you know the the Rams have playmakers it feels like everywhere you know they have uh, defensive backs that can play well against Jamar Chase who just had a fantastic rookie season at LSU and you know Joe Burrow's been you know we said it before playing with his hair on fire uh so if he can continue that I think they have a good shot but um you know that offensive line you know with Jonah Williams and the rest of the guys in Cincinnati can they keep guys like uh Aaron Donald and, and Ashawn Robinson off of Joe Burrow that's going to be a big question for me and uh I think just with that experience again in the playmakers on defense with Von Miller and those guys I have to go with the Rams but it feels more like a toss-up than anything else what about you
1: yeah I feel the same way even though the games in LA not really Billy, a home game for the Rams with how the, the Super Bowl ticket and corporate influence comes into play, the distribution of that. Um, and hell, even if you wanted to look at it as a road game, think about some of the games Joe Burroughs won on the road since 2019. One in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. as a as a last in his final season at LSU in a huge game. And then just this season alone, well, the playoffs alone go to Tennessee and win. Go to Kansas City and win. I think they even went into Baltimore and rolled the Ravens in the regular season, which isn't easy to do. So, you know, being in sort of a semi-hostile environment, if it's even that, won't phase Burrow. I love the matchups. You talked about it. I think it's absolutely critical. Can... The Bengals' offensive line and protection do enough, and Joe Burrow doesn't need a whole lot because he's so good in the pocket, how he can create extra time. Uh, but this is sort of a different animal with the with the Rams and their and their guys. Uh, but Jalen Ramsey potentially following Jamar Chase all around for the whole game. Um, I like the Rams by a little bit. I'm not crazy about the pick. I'm like you. Almost feel like I have to pick the Rams because it just seems to be aligning. For a veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford, McVay and the Rams have been here before. Um, Just in terms of overall star power, I almost feel obligated to pick the Rams. But I'm with you. I'll be not shocked at all. If Burrow and Evan McPherson from Fort Payne, Alabama, your kicker (laughs) for the Cincinnati Bengals get the job done. Yeah, I think we're on the same page, Charlie. Yeah, before we get out of here,
0: speaking with the the NFL, what do you think about your your Jaguars head coaching move?
1: I like it. I think that was the best possible result for an otherwise dumpster fire of a hiring process (laughs) for the Jags. So, yeah, Doug Peterson working with – with Trevor Lawrence, I like that dynamic. I like that combination. Now go get him some players. You know, I mean, we talk about Joe Burrow, and he's great. But when you think about what Joe Burrow also walked into in terms of people around him and the Bengals going and getting Jamar Chase mm-hmm. one year later, I mean, T. Higgins is the number one at a lot of places, and he's the two in Cincinnati. You got Joe Mixon in the backfield. I mean, I love what he's got around him. He makes great use of them and he has to overcome some things up front but man trevor lawrence got he's got nothing right now and when it comes to offensive line it comes to uh the people around him they got to get him a lot of help but i think i think doug peterson is a, a nice step in the in the, in the right direction we'll, we'll we'll say that anyway anything else charlie before we get out of here i know you gotta you gotta get on the road so we'll uh we'll cut you loose yeah,
0: going back to what we're talking about, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, it's my mom's birthday. I'm going to be a good son and go eat lunch. Happy with her her birthday, birthday, Mama Potter. Yeah. I yeah. will say, though, getting out of here, I am glad that today we aren't on the Auburn beat because that
1: oh, is geez. a wild ride. I'm, I'm well, Charlie, right I can tell you, back around 2003, we were on the Auburn feed. <laughs> so I do have some empathy for those cats because oh, how about that, Charlie? How would you like to be in those shoes right now?
0: No, that's what I was saying. Just looking at the Twitter feed, there are people uh, in Birmingham at
1: these at the SEC. Uh,
0: coaches, yeah,
1: the coaches and, and just like yeah. staked
0: out to see if Brian Harson even shows up. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that's that's been there, but I, I don't I don't envy the guys covering Auburn right now. Just like oh. I didn't. Envy the guys covering LSU after that
1: 2019 season. Just yeah, what about like, Tennessee here in recent yeah, years? Oof, it
0: feels like every day um, those guys just have something to deal with. But uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's, this is this is, is all because of Nick Saban too. I mean, at the root of so. it, it really is. We can talk about this and that, fit all this and that, but I you mean, know, all this chaos in the last decade plus—it's all Nick Saban's fault, Charlie.
0: It is that guy. I mean, well, I mean, everything. And then the thing is, too, you know, he's he's talked a lot about um, some of these big picture issues and maybe his issues with them. But then he's also the guy that says, you know, if this is how it's going to be, this is how it's going to be. And then goes out and finds a way to to make it work for Alabama. So um, I know a a lot lot of of
1: coaches who want it the other way end up getting fired anyway because he adapts and adjusts. Yeah, you know. that's true. That's true. That's yeah. what he does crazy, best. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. As always, Charlie, appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon. It won't be the hiatus between appearances for Charlie Potter. We've given him, you know, I think he's he's rested, recovered, ready to go, recharged, everything. So we'll be uh, we'll be more regular with Charlie Potter coming up here real soon. Safe travels, Charlie today. Happy birthday, Mama Potter, and enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. All right, man. Good to catch up. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get a good game on Sunday. Yeah, I'm here you on that. We'll definitely have a good spread, right? I mean, we always have a good, not talking about the point spread either. You know, we'll <laughs> have some good stuff to eat on Sunday. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryder, thanking you for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast, anywhere you consume pods, you're going to find us. And if you leave us a rating and a review, that would help us out tremendously as well. Keep it locked at BamaOnline.com. Not as crazy as, say, the Auburn beat, but it's a lot to sort of monitor and track here between coaching news, potentially, and roster news and all those things as we get you ready. It'll be spring practice before you know it. Of course, the Alabama men's basketball team looking to finish strong in advance of postseason play. All that more at BamaOnline.com. Until next time, so long, everybody.
0: This is Sandra Oreta from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winner transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.